0: Listener, thanks so much for tuning in to Sit Still with Sierra. I'm your host, Sierra Lyons. This podcast is not only dedicated to helping listeners become more self aware, introspective versions of themselves, it's also a space for us to have unconventional conversations not often had in traditional church spaces. I hope you're sitting still and ready for a topic of conversation. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sit Still with Sierra, or welcome back. If you've been here before, it has been a little bit of time since I last grabbed my microphone, last sat still with someone in a podcast setting. Um, It's kind of funny because I've been in D.C. um, this whole summer so far. As many of you know, I've been interning for NPR, National Public Radio. So my my days are constantly filled with other people and their podcast, but I'm so happy that I can make time and sit still and, and be back on the podcast. And I have a really, really awesome guest today. We have a really great conversation, one that is very, very pertinent to um, the matters of the world and the matters of our nation currently. And yeah, I'm just excited to be sitting back down. If you missed last episode, you can go back and listen to it wherever you're streaming. I sat still with Pastor Mylena Burns of All Nations Worship Assembly of Pensacola. We had a great conversation about can women have it all, Um, that stereotype if you've ever heard that phrase. So you should definitely go back and give that a listen. But for today, let me introduce you all to Mrs. Regina Randall. She is awesome. Um, Ms. Regina, are you there? I am, I am, I am. <laughs> How are you doing today?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much for sitting still with me. Um, I I've been wanting to interview you for a while now. And I was on your podcast. So before we even jump into the conversation today. Um, can you tell everyone about War Room Enterprises, what you do, all the different projects that you are constantly doing? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, actually, War Room Enterprises um, was born out of all the different projects that I do. Um, it initially started, I okay, so I'm a licensed minister and a marriage and family therapist. Um, and so it initially started with my private practice of War Room Counseling. And War Room Counseling is all about... Um, Essentially, um, coming together and helping people, particularly the people of God, understand how therapeutic principles also line up with biblical principles that you don't have to feel like you can't do therapy because therapy is not biblically based. And also understanding that um, we're essentially fighting. You know, we we have to be suited and booted. We have to be armored up for the things that we're going through, especially with mental health, with our marriages, with our family, with things in life. And so war room itself, if you look at the military term, a war room is actually a room where all the leaders come together and they strategize on the battle that they are facing and how they are to go about winning it. And so essentially, when you come into my therapeutic session, what we're doing is we're coming together together. We're looking at the problem, we're strategizing on how we can win this battle that you're currently facing. So that's the whole concept behind War Room, Um, and from that perspective, or from that, we go to to my Faith and Theory podcast. Um, I started the podcast because I wanted people who may not have the ability to go to counseling to be able to get some information, some insight on how mental health and Christianity goes together in ways that and just kind of have hope on how they can um, proceed forward or move forward in life with their challenges. And then from there, um, God gave me um, War Room Wellness, which is all about spiritual and mental health um, wellness from a coaching perspective. And since we have all those things, they fall under the War Room Enterprise umbrella. So that's how we got to War Room Enterprises.
0: That's awesome. I, I don't know that I ever maybe, maybe I just forgot, but I know, I don't know if I ever knew why you named your counseling war room. I guess maybe I did know that. I just, I don't know, maybe I forgot, <laughs> but yes, it's awesome. You yeah. all need to check out all of her stuff. We'll definitely have it linked on our social media pages where you can find her podcast. And if you're interested in doing counseling, um, then I will have her website linked as well. Um, mm-hmm. And you're based in Texas. For, yes. for viewers to know um, where yes. you are.
1: So, well, I, okay, so let me say this. I live in Texas, but my therapeutic practice is based in Florida. For now, it will expand to Texas within the next year.
0: Hey, got it, got it. Want to want to make sure we get that caveat. Yeah, so if you are in Florida, then hit her up, and which many of you are, because many of you are listening from my hometown, College Town, so yes, hit her up. Um, yeah, so before we jump into our topic of discussion, I always like to do an icebreaker, whatever random question comes to my mind when I'm creating the rundown, um, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, this time around, I wanted to know, um, if you could see any artist dead or alive perform in concert
1: who would it be and why mm. so when I think about artists like from a music perspective I think the person that I would like to see in concert is Andy Mineo right it's something about um the fact that because it kind of resonates when it comes to the Christian hip-hop as far as like I remember the time of my youth and it's almost kind of like rebellion because most um, people are not accepting yet of Christian hip hop. The younger generation may be, but generations like my generation and above, they may not even know about it or be accepting about it, but he has powerful messages in um, his songs. And I just resonate with so much of what he says in all of his lyrics. Um, But another person that I would like to see in concert for lack of a better word, um, not an artist would be T.D. Jakes because he's always, I mean, when I listen to him, it's always wisdom. He's like a wealth of wisdom. And I can imagine just like sitting at his feet and listening to everything that he has to say and just soaking it up like a sponge. And so- based on that i guess you can kind of gather like the people that i like to be around us around myself with are people who can give me some wisdom or impart like some level of truth so for the artists themselves it would be andy minio if i had to just sit down with anybody with td jakes
0: that's really cool i i used to listen to andy Menio like back yeah. back in his earlier years yeah. um have
1: you ever been to a td jakes con uh, conference I have, I've gone to the woman that Loose conference and Oh my God, <laughs> it was fantastic. It is everything that they hype it up to be. I mean, um, there is a level of deliverance. There's a level of healing. There's a level of understanding. There's a level of truth and he brings in powerful people and it's like back to back to back to back of people just dropping down wisdom and knowledge and, you know, affirmations encouragement onto you and then not only that you are in an atmosphere surrounded by people who are just encouraging to each other like you could be sitting next to someone you've never met before and you somehow feel like a kindred spirit like your sisterhood and we'll be praying for each other and high-fiving each other it's like (laughs) it's it is amazing so yeah I've I've gone to one of his women that are loose conferences and it was fantastic
0: yeah my mom went to one of those back in the day yeah i was I was like probably a few months or like a year or two old, so of course, I don't remember, but yeah i <laughs> I definitely know that that's like one of the largest conferences ever in like in yeah. in America as far as Christianity goes. I took the um traditional route when I was thinking about the answer to this um okay. question, and obviously everyone knows how much I love Stevie Wonder. I would do pretty much anything for him if he needed a kidney, I would give it to him. <laughs> Um, so obviously <laughs> I want to see Stevie Wonder, but actually my favorite, my favorite female artist is Lauryn Hill, but Lauryn oh, Hill I has a, Lauryn. she's got a reputation on her to be extremely late. So what oh. I actually go see her, maybe not because she has been like hours and hours late to shows before. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a thing she's notorious for. So I don't know if I would want to see her in person because she'd be wasting yeah. my time waiting for to time. <laughs> But, and that I, was
1: actually a really hard question for me. Like I had to ponder that, yeah. right? Because there, I mean, I grew up in a family of music. My, my father was a musician and a singer. My mother was a musician, like surrounded by music. And so I can list off a number of artists that I'm like, I just want to be in their presence. I just want to hear, I love um Neo Soul. Like that is one of my favorite genres of music, Thank just you. being able to sit back and chill and relax. I love that. So I love like Jill Scott. Um, I love Jasmine Sullivan, I love the fact that she has like that jazz Type of voice or like the, what she does with her. It's like it's artistry. It really is like she's painting a picture with her tone. So I love Jasmine Sullivan. I Luther Vandross. I swore I, I was going to have him at my wedding, but he passed away before I got married. <laughs> so <laughs> I love him. I love Jaheem. Like there are a whole list of people that I can just go on and on with. But the one that just sticks out in my mind at this moment is Andy Mineo because there have actually been some songs that I'm like, okay, I resonate with that so much. I, I gotta keep that on
0: repeat so yeah yeah he has good music I need to listen to his more his more recent stuff but yeah there are a lot of people kind of um that we could choose from so many but yes um so yeah we are going to take a very 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 quick break don't go anywhere and when we come right back we are going to get into the topic of discussion for today Hey there. Wait, wait, wait. Don't skip this commercial. I know you want to get back into all the good stuff, but before you go, I just want to say thank you all so much for supporting me for the past two years via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear, please do me a huge favor and leave me five out of five stars. Or if you would also like to leave me a review, you can do that as well. This is a great way for me to get good feedback and to know how I can make the podcast better. Thanks so much for listening. And now let's get back into the episode. Okay, welcome back. I am sitting still with Mrs. Regina Randall. She is the founder of War Room Enterprises. We will have all of our stuff linked at the end. of Well, we will have it linked in our social media pages and we will have her actual social media pages at the end of the episode. She will plug where you can find her on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. So we are recovering a very broad topic today. So I'm going to try and make it As micro as possible, because we could go on and on for days talking about this topic, but for the sake of time and for the sake of our listener retention, we are going to just I just want to ask you first your personal experiences. Um, So, first off, based off of the churches, based on the churches you've attended, would you say churches prepare their congregation young and old on how to navigate controversial. Or real world topics.
1: Um, I would love to say absolutely not, <laughs> um, because I have not gone to a church that prepares um, their congregation. For controversial topics, but I won't use the word "absolute" because I haven't gone to every church in America, right, or every church in the world. So there are possibly some churches that do prepare um, their congregants for it, but I have not set foot yet in a church that um, has felt confident enough, I would say that, or, or comfortable enough to prepare their congregants for a controversial topic. And I think it's typically because you have, um, because they're controversial, you have such a divide, and and I just kind of want to we don't have to get into it but I want to use politics because that's like the forefront of my mind right now um when you have a congregation who has such different viewpoints and they're so passionate about those viewpoints that it can kind of get riled up really really quick um you can have some pastors that may not be comfortable with either navigating one way or the other, especially if they feel like they may lose some people because of their opinions about either politics or new laws or regulations or um, certain topics like homosexuality and so forth and so on. So they would like not lay in on one way or the other. And then they have a fear of each either teaching about it because what's in the word people may not wanna hear. Or what their opinion is, people may not want to hear, and so they may feel like they're going to lose people. So I have seen it where controversial topics can kind of be brushed over. But in my opinion, I think it's very needed, particularly in the church with Christians, for us to understand how to navigate these things. Because not talking about it doesn't mean that it's going to go anywhere. It's not going anywhere. We still need to talk about it and to actually learn how to navigate it.
0: You are absolutely one hundred percent right. Um, I, I think there's, for me, I, based off, based on the churches that I've also attended. So the very first church I ever attended, my family, like my parents had already been there for Mm -hmm. like 20 years. Um, and at that particular church, it was like, whatever the pastor says goes, like you better agree with what he says. You better get on board with what he believes and Mm -hmm. you better align your beliefs according to his and how he interprets a particular scripture. I noticed that very young because I went there from like, you know, the time I was born until I was about 11. And even then I noticed it that you had to agree with him. And if you didn't agree with him, it created a very argumentative environment. And so there's two things that I really wish that churches would be more American churches would be more okay with is one, not everything is binary, the way that we we say it right. is there right. is gray area, and so I think that if we were willing to accept that not everything is so black and white like we want it to be. I think that would create a much more stable environment to have these conversations Absolutely. and then two, I think the second thing that would would be beneficial for churches is to realize, like you said, just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, I attended a private Christian school that was also my church um, for. very long time and i i will never forget being in in middle school and we were getting to like the um human reproduction section of the science textbook like it was always at the end of the textbook and i remember being honestly excited to get to that chapter because we weren't talking about at church don't talk about sex at home so i was like oh perfect we're going to talk about at school we're going to talk about puberty and hormones and like all the things that my 11, 12 year old body is going through, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget. We finally get to the section, and then my science teacher says that we're skipping it because she doesn't think that wow. it's a conversation for us to have at our private Christian school. That she would, um, she was uncomfortable with having the conversation, and she would just rather leave it up to our parents to talk to us about it. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. do you? How many? How many parents are going to sit down with their child and have a converse, like have the sex talk with them? Mm, Mm -hmm. not not very many at least not in my circle of influence so Mm -hmm. it was really disheartening that it's like i couldn't talk about talk about it at home i didn't have the conversation like the talk with my parents i didn't have it at school because she skipped it and then we were not talking about it at church other than just don't have sex like we weren't talking about all the other components of sexuality outside of just sex so i just Mm -hmm. really wish people wouldn't be afraid have these conversations because like you said it's not going anywhere just because we're not talking about it and i Mm -hmm. think that it leaves a lot of people afraid to then like go into their workplace or to go in school and have to have these conversations and they just don't know what to say um and you actually mentioned you mentioned something about like for lack of better terms you use the word politics which is actually what i want to ask you um next because in my experience um i've had a lot of church leaders encourage encourage their congregation to stay away from politics altogether. um did you ever have that experience and do you believe that that's harmful um that's a harmful perspective to instill to like be apolitical
1: um i do and i just i want to just touch briefly on what you talked about is sex because it's all going to tie in together right so it's like we look at certain topics like it's a taboo topic and we don't want to touch it and we don't want to talk about it because we feel uncomfortable and we don't know how to share about it and one of the things that I always say is that As believers, if we base everything on the word of God, not how we feel, not our opinions, not what we think, then we can stand firm in whatever it is that we're teaching, right? And so if we're talking about um, whether it's sex or it's politics, if we base it on how God says we're supposed to handle that situation, we don't have to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. All we have to do is teach them what the word of God says, right? And the word of God in his word, he talks about sex as a beautiful thing under the confines of marriage if we're talking about um, anatomy we can talk about anatomy because our bodies are beautiful the bible says that we are um fearfully and wonderfully made so how can we not talk about our bodies in a beautiful way but somehow we're made to feel shame right that if we even think about it or talk about it then ooh we're going you know, into uncharted territory. And it's unfortunate that that happens because then we're leaving a group of people out there to try to figure it out on their own. And the world has no problem with telling us <laughs> what we should be doing in politics and in sexual encounters and so forth and so on. And so that ties into the political um, era in a sense that um, it's the same. I mean, the the word tells us how to manage conflict. It tells us how to manage disagreements. Now I understand, you know, why, The concept of not combining church and state, you know, and religion and politics and things together, but that doesn't mean that we can't teach congregants, we can't teach people how to respond. Even if you don't want to talk about your political views, you can talk about how to agree to disagree. You can talk about um, how to navigate the conflict between two parties that may not be agreeing with each other. We can talk about how to sit down and actually have a conversation, whether we agree with each other or not based on things that we're experiencing we can talk about compassion that's in the bible so whether you agree with my plight or you agree with the things that i'm going through you can still have compassion passion for what it is that I'm experiencing and understand it. You don't have to agree with it, but still to understand it. And so I do think it's damaging when we're in a church and we're not teaching people how to navigate these controversial topics, not so much as me having to give you a stern opinion about it, but at least to teach you how to process through those things and how to have conversations, intelligent, healthy conversations around those particular topics.
0: Yeah, something that I was just talking about recently with one of my sisters that, is I was saying I wish that um, in American churches we would incur- leaders or pastors would encourage their congregation to think for themselves more. I think so many times people are waiting on their pastor to give them a very specific take on a very specific scenario to then frame their own opinion. And my thing is, is right. if we're all adults and the same God that's inside of your pastor is inside of you, why do you have to wait for your pastor to, to feed you what you should believe? <laughs> you you should, you should, as an adult, it should be encouraged from your pastor, from your leaders. It should be encouraged that you think for yourself, that you read your Bible for yourself, that you ask questions yourself, like, I just don't, it just really makes me frustrated when I think about the way that so many people just refuse to to even think what they believe because their pastor hasn't covered it yet or hasn't told them what to think i've seen that happen so many times um among christians and, and they're r- genuinely confused they're like i don't know what to do i don't know what to think about this current this crisis and we're about to talk about one of those major national news stories that has taken place recently but it's like so many people just feel like stuck in fear because they're just waiting on someone to tell them what to think and i just right. wish that it was you more emphasized
1: to- yeah, and we have to take into consideration that they're doing what they're taught, right? Um, so, and you mentioned this when you first started, you're in a church environment and they tell you the pastors are all knowing, right? And essentially the way that they're functioning is the way that they functioned in the Old Testament. Like you gotta go to the priest because the priest has a closer relationship to God than you. And you tell them all your problems they supposed to pray with you and they're gonna help you through things. And so you give them this all this power that it wasn't essentially meant for them to have. We honor their position. We honor the fact that this is a man or woman of God who is God has placed in a position to lead us, but we have our own relationship with God. We have our own understanding. We read, study to show that self-approval, working that need not be ashamed, rightly divided in the word of God. We do that for ourselves and we have our own relationship with God. That was the whole purpose of Jesus Christ coming down. And so when we see people who have a unhealthy um, dependency, because it, it essentially, it's a codependency relationship that's been created in a church. And so when we have people who have this level of dependency on the pastor to give them all the answers, it's just something that they've been taught. And so the same as we have to do with every other controversial topic, that is also a controversial topic where we have to um, teach people to really be able to think and stand on their own apart from what the pastor is telling them. A uh, scripture that that backs that up is, is when, when they talk talking, I think it's in... Corinthians, they talk about how the people, the Bereans, they were taught, right? And even though they agreed and they understand and they resonated with what the apostles had told them, they went home and studied for themselves they still went and studied. That's scripturally based. So I can agree with what the pastor says, but it's still my responsibility to go home and study and have that relationship with God for myself. And so again, what we see in the church where we're putting wholeheartedly all our dependency on the pastor and what he says about a topic, that's just learned behavior that we have to kind of break out of.
0: For sure. I absolutely agree um, that we have to Unlearn that behavior and it it can seem overwhelming of like where do we even begin to unlearn this because it's so rooted in American Christianity it's so it's so fundamental to American Christianity at this point that it kind of seems like well where do we begin, but I think that having these kind of conversations is a great start. And just encouraging people to to form their own opinions, to read the word for themselves, um, and to and to study scripture for themselves, and not Absolutely. for someone to 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 spoon feed it to them. But yeah, it, it's a lot of unlearning, and it's a lot of undoing, and it's obviously not going to happen overnight. This isn't going to happen anytime soon. But I really think that the the church, not just in America, but the church globally, is really on the precipice of a huge transformation in the next few years I think that if anything the past two years of being in a pandemic and I was one of those people I will say I was one of those people before I left the church that I was previously at I because it was instilled in me it's like if you are a Christian in order to be a good Christian you must attend church every mm, Sunday right. and what what have we seen in the past two years we've seen shutdowns where we can't physically be in person right. for the health and safety of each other. We can't be in person, but church still continued. We just, we worked with what we had, but I really think we're on the cusp of an even larger transformation of how we just do church period and how we really, um, and I think there's going to be a very big separation and there's going to be a line of demarcation between those that are American Christian nationalists and those that are truly Mm -hmm. followers of Christ. There's already a big line in the sand, but I, I feel like we're on the cusp of something happening in our politics and our culture globally, God forbid, like a war or we're in the middle of a pandemic. So like, I, I just feel like we're on the cusp of something happening to where there's going to be an even more stark divide um, between those that are really going after God and really wanting to seek him and study the scripture for them for themselves and really know God versus those that are just following a set of sure. rules or following sure. tradition and so yeah I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that all happens I'm interested to be a part of it I'm 23 years old so you know Gen Zers within America we have like the lowest church attendance um out of all the other previous generations so I'm just interested to see because just because we're not attending church doesn't mean that we aren't still followers of Christ or religious right, involved. Right. So it's it's about to turn up. So that actually leads into my next huge point. Um, and obviously the elephant in the room in America is that Roe was overturned on June 24th. So we are, we are almost at a month of Roe being overturned, which just means that from a federal standpoint, um, abortions are no longer um, permitted it's no longer constitutional for abortions to be permitted. It's now up to states, which many states have trigger laws, which means the moment that Roe was overturned federally, it was outlawed as well in that state. So we are seeing something that we have not really seen, um, well, that many people haven't seen in their lifetime. You know, Roe has been around for 50 years, and so for many people like myself, I've never lived in America where abortion was not federally um, protected. And honestly, I will say as a Christian, as someone that has grown up in church my whole life, and again, going back to how many times we see things as binary, um, not Mm -hmm. just within the church when it comes to abortion, because obviously in the world as well, we have pro-life and pro-choice, but it was always just instilled in me um, that Mm -hmm. abortion's absolutely not under no circumstance, and that's just the, that was, that was pretty much it, as far as conversations Mm -hmm. go about abortion. I will say abortion and um, LGBTQ or homosexuality um, were the two largest um, Mm -hmm. things that the white evangelical church that I attended really harped on, um Mm -hmm. we see those as two of the biggest talking points and so it's kind of funny that these are the same people that are saying to stay away from politics but they would go so hard against abortion and homosexuality so (laughs) let me ask you what what were your what were your initial thoughts when Roe was overturned
1: honestly my initial thoughts was I won't say it was like the overwhelming joy that everybody else had. Um, my initial thoughts was like, oh, great. Then we don't have to worry about losing children anymore because my thought process was like, okay, we know per the word of God that He is not okay with abortion. However, after that, especially seeing the response of people from the church or from the body of Christ where um, everybody was like celebrating and um, it became like this big thing where people were going back and forth about pro-choice and, and um, pro-life. Um, and I, I have to give this caveat. I am both pro-choice and pro-life. I am both, right? And the reason why I am that way is because my stance, is based solely on the word of God. I don't have to waver in this. I don't have to give you my feelings. I don't have to, you know, give you um, all these different scenarios. So when you ask about my, my initial response, my initial response was based on my feelings. It was based on I'm happy that we don't have to worry about, you know, children dying and, you know, there being abortion and so forth and so on. But as I, you know, allow The the Lord really to minister to me, like, what is the right way to really respond to this? The truth of the matter is, I can be pro life and I can disagree with abortion, which I do, but I'm also pro choice and I'm pro choice based on God Himself giving us choice. That is my opinion on the matter. So, if God, all the way back in Genesis, who we know, we as Christians, we believe that He is sovereign, He can do whatever He wants to do. Even though he put that tree there, he could have very well said, don't touch it and put a barrier around it and never gave anybody the opportunities to go eat of that fruit. However, he gave his instructions and he allowed man to make his choice. He gave his instructions and he allowed man to choose whether or not he was going to do what God had commanded or whether or not he wasn't. And so if that is how God navigated it, why would I navigate it differently? If God gives us the instruction that this is not something that I'm okay with, that I do not you know, condone abortion or I do not condone taking a life, but he still gives us choice, then why would I take somebody else's choice away? And so that was kind of my response to... Um, Roe versus Wade. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement that I don't agree with abortion, let me say under certain circumstances, because I know that there are different type of things that can happen in a person's life that gives me a level of compassion and understanding why they will make that choice. But though I don't agree with it, I do agree with the fact that God has given us choice and is not my responsibility to take people's choices away. Got it.
0: It's, it's funny that you, um, you know, you were saying that you weren't the same level of other Christians that were like parading and rejoicing at the news. And I am in a totally different place. Um, I am neither pro-life or pro-choice. I don't fit into the binary of either. And I was actually very upset when it was overturned. And I saw people rejoicing because from a journalist standpoint, I've been following, um, obviously, it, it when the draft was leaked over a month before Roe was actually overturned. Um, Lots of reports, lots of reporting, and even before then, lots of reports have been out um, about how in nations where abortion is actually legal and readily available to its citizens, there's actually lower rates of abortion. And in nations where abortion is illegal or not readily available, there's actually higher rates of abortion. Mm -hmm. So when it was outlawed, I was like, I don't understand, like, basic, like, basic, looking at a basic um, data, looking at basic data and statistics of abortion globally, this is not the win that people think that it is, like, right. The only thing that's going to happen is that this is going to go to, this is going to be left up to states to make those, those decisions. And even if states are outlawing abortion, abortions are still going to happen. They're going to happen very dangerously. They're going to happen right. under the table. They're going to happen in unsafe in unsafe ways. And then on to compound the abortion, then you're also going to have mothers who are also risking their life and losing their life because they're having unsafe um abortion. So to me, I am holistically I am holistically for the sanctity of life. I don't believe in capital punishment. I don't believe in I I'm um I would align my views more closely with prison abolitionists. Like I I I value the sanctity of life holistically. So for me, it wasn't a win in my eyes because I know that statistically, abortions are going to increase because it is being outlawed at a federal level. So Mm -hmm. for me, I was like, I just wish that more Christians, and this goes back to Christians, being involved in these conversations even if they are difficult because a lot of people the posts I was seeing and the videos I was hearing from Christians were really coming from a place of ignorance like they were really saying things that are just flat out wrong like they are just not true at all Um, it's not true that abortions are 100% with 100% certainty going to decrease because of this the opposite actually is true so for me it was just really frustrating because I saw so much false information online, um, so much false information in the Christian circles that I'm in, Um, and I actually spoke on a panel a couple weeks ago to a group of 18 to 35 year old Black Christians online, and that was the first time that I've really shared my own personal beliefs about abortion to fellow Christians on that level, and I always would feel anxiety um, when it comes to talking about abortion with Christians, because of that whole binary of you're either a good Christian, if -hmm. you're pro-life, or you're a bad Christian, if you have some other opinion or you're pro-choice. And I always felt Mm -hmm. so bad and so condemned by the church, like growing up and not just with abortion, like really with any political or controversial topic, if my opinion or my questions that I had were outside of their one view. And I just think that, I want to get your thoughts on that because um, I've seen so many people say you're not a good Christian if you're not rejoicing with us right now about Roe being overturned. And for, for people to determine where you stand with God based off of their opinion and yours is just so wrong to me. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that or if you can speak to that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when I was young in the faith. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll give an example and I'll tie it all in together. When I was young in the face, I, I remember um, really developing my own relationship with God and anyone who has their relationship with God. I'm sure they can resonate with this. God speaks to us in a tone and in a way, in a mannerism that resonates with us and in a way that we can understand. Right. And I remember sharing something that God had spoken to me. And there was the sister that said, oh, that wasn't God that wasn't God. God does God never talks to me like that. He doesn't talk to people like that, right? And as a young Christian, I was like, wait a minute now, I know that God spoke to me in that way. And so she was like really adamant that I was hearing from the devil or that I had come come up with my own concept because of the way that I said that God was speaking to me. Now, fast forward over time, as i've grown i have you know a spiritual mentor who's also been able to kind of coach me through these things i understand that god the reason why we know his voice is because he speaks to us in a way that resonates with us right if he spoke to me the same way he spoke to sierra that may not resonate with me i can be a little bit rebellious and hard-headed so sometimes he got to get a little stern with me he may not have to do that with you you know what i mean so the way that he speaks is different and so that being said when you talk about um people wanting everybody to be on the same page or the same accord and to have the same thought process. Well, that's not how God created us. He didn't create us to be that way. Now we should all have a kingdom agenda, but he didn't say that we had to do it all the same way. Back that up with scripture. He talks about the parts of the body of Christ if everybody was a thumb, if everybody was a foot, if everybody was an elbow, then where would the head be? Where would the shoulders be? Where will my eyes be? Where will my mouth be? I, my eyes can't say to my mouth, I don't need you. My ears can't say to my nose, I don't need you. He created us to be beautiful and to be diverse and to have different opinions. If we all had the exact same opinions, where would innovation come from? Because there were people out there was like, we should never fly. Of course we can't fly. We're going to laugh you under the plane, under the, you know, under, under the tree. And then here you go. Somebody created a plane, right? And then you have people that's like, how dare you even think that there could be a light other than a candle? And then somebody discovers electricity. So if we all think the exact same way, there's no way for us to be innovative. There's no way for us to grow. And God himself did not create all of us to be exactly the same. He created all this diversity because every part of the body would be needed and so i think it's a it's a travesty uh essentially that everybody wants to they think that if we're going in the same direction or that if we're having this kingdom of agenda that we have to think exactly the same way but that's not the way that god created it he never meant for it to be that way yes we have a kingdom agenda but how we reach that agenda is based on the the power and the knowledge and the creativity that god has placed inside of us to make that come to fruition
0: I love the way you put that. That's perfectly, perfectly well said. And I think about that scripture too, of, you know, we all are needed in the body of Christ. We all serve different roles, but we're all needed. One is not more important than the other. Like we all need each other and we function as one body. So to really put people down and to really damn them to hell, if they don't align with what you think in the exact same way, just really frustrating to me but i and i because of that i would be very anxious like i said to talk about certain topics because i've been interested in politics since i was like 11. very nerdy uh i would read legal guides (laughs) at school when i was done with my work because i'm like oh i have nothing else to do (laughs) um so i've always been interested in politics but i always felt like my identity as a christian and my identity as someone that's interested in politics, we're constantly at war with each other because I felt like, oh, I'm not a good Christian if I talk about this political topic, or I'm not a good Christian if I go protest against racism because, because these people at church that are refusing to speak about racism are telling me that there's only one biblical and correct way to do it. I also thought about, um, I'll never forget back in 2008, the Obama and McCain presidential election i i was alive for for bush in 2004 but like 2008 was my first time of like really being cognizant of like presidential elections and we were studying um the three branches of government so we had like a mock election in my class for fourth grade that year but i remember like one particular person but a lot of people at the church slash school kept saying don't just vote vote biblically and i was so confused because i was like what does that really mean? Mm. Like you're the two things again that they were harping on is well Obama supports abortion because he's pro-choice and he supports gay people because he thinks that they should have equal human rights so that's not biblical so you must go for the Republican candidate which is McCain during that time and I was always confused and I recently have been able to like articulate why it was so off-putting to me always but it's I, I read from a different pastor and he was saying lots of things are in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that they are godly. There's sexual assault in the Bible. Right. There is robbery in the Bible. There is mass genocide just because something is biblical, just because it's mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean that it's necessarily godly. So they were taking these couple of scriptures out of context mm-hmm. and running with it and saying, this must be what God wants because it's, biblical and I was like you know after that all clicked for me and I saw how things are being taken out of context so badly a lot of my anxiety subsided um over the past month or so a lot of my anxiety to like speak and share my opinion because I'm like first off what hell can they put me in if I disagree with them first off (laughs) right? what hell can they put me in and two these are people that are just speaking from a place of like of ignorance, like they don't really know what they're talking about. And that's not, that's not me thinking I'm better than them because I read politics and things like that. It's just, no, they're, they're not coming from a factual place. So I don't understand why I'm, I'm letting their opinions make me so anxious into being quiet. And that's what mm-hmm. I want to ask you because you are, you're a Christian therapist. So have you had to deal with Christians that feel anxious or unprepared on how to have controversial, conversations?
1: Um, And if so, what advice would you give to them? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, One of the things that I would say that kind of ties into that is when the Bible tells us that people are destroyed by lack of knowledge, right? And so when we find ourselves just in this religious bubble, and we don't get a clear understanding of what is happening around us, and we are not using God's word scripturally soundly, In a way, a person that can rightly divide the word of God, right? If we're not doing that, then we're going to be stuck in this bubble thinking that this is the way everything has to be. I want to take it back to when Jesus came, right? Because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people of the day, leaders of the day, they felt like he was a rebel. Because he was not doing things according to their laws. He was not doing things according to their traditions. Their tradition said, don't hang out with these type of people. Don't even talk to them. And Jesus would sit down and sup with them. And even in their minds, Jesus knew it because he addressed it. They would say things like when, you know, the woman is washing his feet with her hair. What if he, if he knew the type of woman she was, he wouldn't allow her to do it. And so all of that is saying that we can put ourselves into like this religious bubble and not really understand what is going on around us, and we'll be destroyed from a lack of knowledge because the Bible has called us, God has called us to go ye therefore and teach, making disciples of the nation. How can we do that if we can't relate to anybody? How can we do that if we don't understand their plight? How can we do that if we don't understand their struggle? If I am, a, as a therapist, am called to, um, sit down with someone who maybe um, say they're, they're from Iran or something like that. I can't tell them my Americanized ways and hope to help them. I can't. I need to understand their struggles. I can't tell them what to do or give them like my biblical principles, right? And I don't understand like the things that they're up against. So I wanna, it's gonna be a little bit controversial. Are you ready? I wanna talk about from the perspective of just simply black and white. Right. If you don't understand my plight, if you don't understand my struggles, if you don't understand the fear that I have as a mother for my son to have to just get up and go and drive somewhere because you don't have that same fear with your children, then you can't really give me an opinion on that until you can receive where I am and the things that I've experienced. And so it's important for us to really be able to understand what other people are going through. That means politics. That means race that means religion, that means all sorts of things, just really being able to understand and to how, what people are going through so that we can communicate with them in a way that's really going to be be beneficial for the kingdom. I don't know if I answered that question. Did I answer your question?
0: Yeah, yes, you did answer that question. And I, I agree 100%. I think at the root of what you're you're saying is empathy. And that's something I talk Absolutely. about all the time. Like, we have to have empathy. Um, I think of the scripture, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, there was another one: "Oh, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. How can you bear another, like someone else's burdens, if you're not even willing to hear what their experiences right. are, what they have been through? If you only love people that have the same experience as you or look like you or come from the same neighborhood as you you're mm-hmm. not really loving people you're just you're just um really what you're doing is you are obsessed with yourself and so you're looking right. for yourself and other people you have to be willing to love people even if even if it doesn't make any sense to you where their perspective is coming from you have to realize that that's their life that's their situation and it's valid for them I have never had an abortion I would hope that i never do have an abortion i can't say what i will never ever ever do in my life but i've never had an abortion but that doesn't mean that i can't empathize with women that have and really hear how they've been hurt by the church either when they did choose to keep the baby and they were rejected by the church or when they had an abortion and they were still rejected by the church it's kind of like damned if you do damned if you don't and i've right. really seen people that i know and care about that became pregnant before like without being married and mm-hmm. they were ostracized but it's like, you're telling people not to have abortion. So what's the opposite of having an abortion? It's having the baby and you still treat Mm -hmm. them so poorly. So it's just, it's definitely very hypocritical. But like I said, I think we're on the precipice of the church really changing um, over the next few years. And I wanted to to pick your brain and ask you, um, do you ponder what Christianity will look like in the next five years? Or do you have any idea of what you think it might look like soon?
1: Yeah, I have pondered it, actually, and I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. Um, I know you talked um, earlier about, you mentioned how Gen Zers, they're not in church as much as, you know, other millennials or so forth and so on, but I'm kind of excited about that particularly, and and I'll go back a little bit, Um, a lot of people when COVID hit, they was like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to us, and oh my God, it's travesty and so forth and so on, Right. I was not that person, can I be honest? I was not that person. Granted, I am so sorry for the lives that were lost. I cannot imagine um, what type of grief that must have been for family members or even for the person who passed on and they're in the hospital by themselves and the way that we were hit and how everything was upturned. But for the, the purpose of the church, I'm just thinking strictly about the church itself. I felt like that was something, it was one of the best things that could have happened to us. And the reason why I say that, and I'm going somewhere with that, the reason why I say that is because if COVID had not happened, how often would you see people doing church online? How often would you see people coming out of their traditions and thinking of new ways to reach the world? We wouldn't would have stayed stuck in that same cycle. And so when you talk about the Gen Zers who are not quite in the church, that does not mean that they're not seeking God. They're seeking God in a different way. And we have to evolve with them. We, the body of Christ, we, the church, have to evolve with them. We have to come up with new ways. There's so many people that was like, I don't want to go on Facebook. I don't want to go on the internet. (laughs) I don't want to do any of these things. And then you realize that your congregant is dwindling. Because you're telling them that they have to have faith and come into the church, but they're not only having faith, they're also exercising wisdom and going, uh, no, I'm not coming into that church with everything else that is happening. So what I'm going to do is figure out a way to continue my relationship with God, continue my fellowship, continue my worship without having to go in there. And people had to come to the uh, realization that it was not necessary for them to go into a building in order for them to have a relationship with God. So I see the church really expanding in a sense that we have now become open to new ways to deliver God's message, new ways to get out on the street. And considering the fact that Gen Zers are all about technology, we're on a precipice, like you said, of something new, something stronger, something different. Um, We could never have imagined, I'll say 30, 40 years ago, that we will be talking to someone who is in a completely different country. A completely different country right and we talk about our experiences and how they shape us and so when I started my podcast my podcast I was like okay I'm gonna be talking to people and be interviewing people and be doing this I went through this course and then I had some people who said yes I would love to be on your podcast and I was like okay how about we do it at seven I'm thinking about central time zone right they're like no I'm in Germany It blew my mind, like it never even occurred to me because I had not allowed myself to think that far in advance that I'm talking to people in a completely different country from me. 30 years ago, we definitely would not have imagined it. And if you think about witnessing where the church is going, the direction that we're going in, it used to be that you had to have a plane ticket. Used to be that you had to have enough money for a plane ticket, a passport and hotels. And where am I gonna stay to be able to talk to somebody in Africa, to be able to talk to somebody in China, to be able to do these things. We don't have to have that anymore. With the age of technology, we can talk to people around the world and the church can be so much bigger than just this building that we have to pay a mortgage on, right? That this building that we have to bring people in to say, this is how we worship. The other aspect of that Is that I think um, with the way that the church is going, it's taken away a lot of the, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's taken away a lot of the worry or the concern about actually having a church building. So when you have a church building, you got to think about mortgage being paid. You got to think about lights being paid. You got to think about getting butts in the seat. Now, granted, that may not be at the forefront of their mind. I'm not saying that every pastor is just trying to get money. That may not be at the forefront of their mind. But God forbid, we don't have enough people that's bringing in a level of income where we can sustain this church building. Then we got to shut down, right? And so, not only am I delivering the word to you, not only am I worried about making sure that I am giving you guys word in a, a way that's going to be tra- um that's going to change your life, I also have to worry about it's only three people in here, and we got a two thousand dollar mortgage. We don't have to worry about that anymore because if we choose that, we don't want to go into this church building. You can still have church from the the confines of your own home. You can still minister to people and it won't just be 200 people in your church congregation. It can be thousands of people across the world. So for me, the way that I see the church going, I I feel fantastic about it. And honestly, I think COVID was kicked it all off. So I don't look at COVID the way that everybody else looked at COVID. I look at COVID like it did something positive for our church, for our community.
0: I agree. I think that people, I think it's natural for people to be afraid of change. And so when we say that the church is changing and has changed in the past two years, it can be daunting, but I'm excited as well, not just from a technology standpoint, but I'm also excited Um, at the hopes of a healthier church. And and what I mentioned earlier about um, the line of demarcation between those that are just following their own man-made religion Mm -hmm. of American nationalism under the guise of Christianity and true followers of Christ. And Mm -hmm. I think that we're getting to a healthier place, um, even with mental health being destigmatized, even though there is a lot of stigma stigmatization around it still I think that we're at a healthier place than we were before um and I, I I appreciate my current pastor um he always encourages is he's he always says it's not therapy or or Christianity or or mm-hmm. God it's it's right. both and like it's right. not one isn't right. a substitute for another like they both need to work together like they they both need to function together for for us to be healthy um and I also appreciate that it, that he doesn't try and capitalize off of offering counseling when he is not a licensed counselor. Because I've had that I've had that experience <laughs> um, at other at other places to where it's like there's a reason why people go to school to be therapists. Like right. you, there's a reason why. Like just because you're a pastor or a leader at church doesn't mean you have the qualifications to really help people the way they need to be helped um, mentally. So I think that we are heading towards. healthier path and I think that these past two years of being at home of doing church virtually um, separated the wheat from the tear people that were depending on their pastor or their praise and worship leader or whoever to really push them into worship and push them into their bible a lot of it fell more on the individual right spend do your own bible study at home by yourself or have praise and worship music going at home by yourself like you don't have to wait for people to be in front of you putting on some sort of production for you for you to have an encounter with god so i think that we are headed in a healthier place and i always laugh when people say that christians are being persecuted in america that's you know what that's a that deserves a whole other episode.
1: Right. We'll do that later. But I'm like y'all y'all let me know when the episode comes because I, I will.
0: <laughs> I will. They want to know what persecution was if it slapped them in the face. I'm right. like you think you're being persecuted. I'm it like that's so
1: easy, so easy over here. Like we look at persecution as somebody not agreeing with us. Right. Stop it. I'm like right. oh you poor baby. Like really? Yeah. Do you yeah. you, have you read. Like how the disciples died in the bible like you don't you
0: don't know what person not
1: just the disciples i had this conversation with my husband that you still actively have people in other countries with guns being held to their head just for uttering the name of jesus christ we are not being persecuted over here we're entitled but that's a whole nother episode
0: (laughs) yes yes we are entitled and yes that is another episode because i could go I could go on for days. Um, This has been a very, very fruitful conversation. I think that people are really going to take away something great from what you've shared, your perspective. Um, For those that maybe, for whatever reason, weren't listening to the whole episode we just recorded, if you had a 30-second wrap-up, how would you just sum up your your final thoughts on everything, 30 seconds to a minute?
1: Okay, 30 seconds to a minute. Two things, study to show that self-approved. I've said that multiple times, Um, whether it be politics, whether it be homosexuality, abortion, any type of controversial topic for you to understand sex, whatever it is, for you to understand truly how to move forward, study the word yourself. Don't just depend or have a codependency on your, your pastor to give you every single thing that you need to know, whether you agree with what he says and not still open up that book for yourself. Cause God can give you revelation on your personal um, thoughts and so forth and so on. The other thing is as a mental health counselor, I have to put this shameless plug in there. Do not be afraid to go get assistance, getting mental health assistance. you asked about the direction that the church is going in. We're getting better. We're getting healthier. Mental health is a part of that. Um, I know people will say that, you know, I got Jesus and that's enough and I don't need a mental health counselor. Well, you know what, if you you your toe, you would go to a doctor. If you had a heart attack, you would go to a doctor. Um, during COVID, you went to the hospital. God gives us people, he gives us people, a bomb in Gilead to help us through the things that we are experiencing. And so mental health is also an issue. Part of the other reason why I use war room counseling, war room wellness, is because we are in a fight for our life. We battle against things that are unseen. Seen, right? And the way that the enemy, the number one way that he attacks us is through our mind. So if we choose, we want to continue to be duped and say, I'm okay. I don't need to talk to anybody. I have a level of shame. Um, then you're going to find yourself continuing to struggle. Do not be afraid. Jesus was a wonderful counselor and he give counselors to help us through the things that we need to experience. So I will also encourage people to not be afraid to seek a therapist, to get healthy. Um, it's completely confidential. You don't have to worry about anybody else. Um, learning anything about it as part of what we are required to do is to keep it confidential go get the help that you need to be healed and made whole
0: awesome awesome yes do those two things this has been a very awesome episode thank you so much for sitting still with me mrs regina Um, can you plug your instagram handle and your facebook page where people can find you online
1: Yes, absolutely. It's essentially the same thing. It's Regina Randall, 16, 16 Ephesians 16, War Room. Um, You can find me um, on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Regina Randall. Uh, you can also go to my website is warroomenterprises.com. Um, you can reach me there. There's a way for you to click on contact and send me an email or call me if you need to. My phone number is there as well
0: awesome yes go get the help that
1: you need people
0: go to therapy
1: (laughs) Uh, i love therapy thank you all so much
0: for listening to this episode i will definitely be continuing the series that i think i will call the state of the church as we continue to talk about these controversial topics and just the overall health of the american church thank you all so much for listening and i will talk to you soon bye i hope you enjoyed this episode of sit still with sierra Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or some other podcast listening platform, your support means the world. Make sure to share this episode with a friend or two, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye!